So we started this series uh, titled The Gospel Truth. Uh, this is the third week that we're in it. And uh, I mentioned last week that it, it coincides with a small group campaign uh, that allows for people to dig deeper in the word and also to talk it over. Uh, how many of you know that it's important for you to, to, to really see what the Word of God has to say? And also for, for you to be able to discuss things. And uh, there, are, there are sometimes things in the Bible that, that we, we just need help uh, as we navigate through it. And we want to be uh, people that are Bible-centered. Amen? Amen? I'm going to say some things that, 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 that may, uh, may rub you the wrong way, um, but I think it's important uh, here, here's the thing. God's not really looking for emotional people. It's okay for us to be emotional. There's nothing wrong with that. God's looking for grounded people. He, he, he forms grounded people, rooted people, and the way that you're rooted is you're rooted in the Word of God. And, and the reason that that's important, it's, it's very important to us because um, the gospel narrative is the most important thing that we can stand on. And if I was to ask first service because I'm here with you. Uh, tell me what the gospel is. Everyone would have an answer. Uh, some of you might you know, say, well, it's, 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 uh, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through him, and that's, that's, that kind of uh, puts a, a light on the gospel. But what is the gospel message? Um, because the apostle Paul, as he's teaching uh, the Corinthians, he's writing to the Corinthians, he says, this is the most important thing that you could ever grab a hold of. It's foundational for your life, the, the gospel uh, message. And it's what saves you. The gospel message saves you, okay? It keeps you saved. It's not dependent on you. It's dependent on, on Christ. And, and there's a lot of different gospels that uh, sometimes don't align themselves with the, with the gospel narrative that we find in the Bible. For, for example, there's a... Uh, prosperity gospel. The prosperity gospel teaches that, that uh, if you believe a certain way, then you will prosper in the things of this world uh, by God's means, by his, by his working in you. Uh, sometimes there's, with, with that gospel comes health and wealth, that, that if, you're, if you uh, believe a certain way, then you'll always be healthy. Uh, if you believe a certain way, then you'll always prosper. So that's one side of the pendulum of I, what I would say is a distorted gospel. And the reason that we would say that is because we align it with, with the word of truth. And uh, Paul said, as he wrote to the Corinthians in chapter 1, he says, We preach Christ crucified. And to the Jews, it's a stumbling block. And to the, to the Greeks, it's foolishness. Can I tell you that the gospel of Jesus paying it all is still a stumbling block to religious people? And it's still foolishness to intellectuals. So if you have a, 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 an atheist or agnostic background, when you heard the gospel presentation, it just didn't make any sense. It seemed too easy. Amen? Because you're, you're smarter than that. You, you, you know better than that. So, so the, the, the prosperity gospel, and I, and, I, and I pray that we begin to recognize different gospels. It's one side of the pendulum going this way. But the other side of the pendulum of, of the gospel is, is this gospel that is called the, the poverty gospel. Where, where uh, the, the tenets of this, of this teaching are that you cannot have anything because if you do 
then you're not walking in the attributes of God. You should be poor. And uh, you see that in the, in the early church where, where people would say they were impoverished. They didn't want anything that this, this world provides because then you would become worldly. And, and then so they, they lived their lives to be very poor. And, and that is not the gospel either. There's a social gospel. And I think America falls in that. America can fall in the social gospel where you want to be politically correct. And, and you're not going to say things that are going to, to stir the pot, per se. Even if, even if the things that, that, that are being taught by culture, they go completely against the grain of what God says. Are you with me? And, and, and the narrative, it takes, you, it takes you further and further and further away from the things of God. When Christ being crucified brings us closer and closer and closer and closer to the holy God. And we, and we walk in this, in this, in this newness and, and the, the, the wonderful things that the cross provides. It's the cross of Jesus that provides everything that we need to live a life of holiness and righteousness. And we need that in, in our lives, and it's important for us to, to, to grab a hold of it. So the, the Apostle Paul writing to the church in Corinth, he gets to chapter 15, and that's been our narrative. And the whole centerpiece of that chapter is the resurrection because they were getting the resurrection wrong. That's why we started with that video right there, because the resurrection is the basis of the Christian faith. Anyone can die for you, but only Jesus Christ rose for you. And, and when you understand that, he did what no other person has ever done, and no person can ever do, because he is God in the flesh, and he, and he produced life for every person who trust in him he produces life not only uh this uh, uh abundant life that we want to enjoy here in 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 our lives before that threshold of of what we're all going to face we're all going to face death unless the lord comes back just nod with me if you i know you, it's not a popular subject <laughs> but i'm talking about this tomorrow as well with a casket that will be in front with my brother Benny. And, and so we're all going to face it. And, and so not only do we have this ab abundant life, which we're going to celebrate that tomorrow because Benny Silva lived an abundant life. Amen. The devil didn't take his smile usually and his laughter. And, and so, man, I'm preaching a funeral. I'm not even there yet. <laughs> but, but the thing, not only do we have an abundant life here on earth because of what Jesus has purchased for us, but we also have eternal life. And we don't have to fear the grave. So today I'm going to be talking to you. Part three is the, the, the title is Jesus was buried and he rose again. And why does that matter? Why does it matter? Let's, let's go to, to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. verse. Uh, I'm going to look at three. Start with three. The, the first part. 3a. And we're going to read uh, verse 4 as well. So Paul talked, writing to the, the, the church in Corinth, he says, I passed on to you what was most important. It's the only place in the narrative of every letter that Paul wrote that he said that. And when something is most important in the Bible, what does it mean? It's most important. 
Okay? And what had also been passed on to me. Now, who passed this on to Paul? We established that in the first part of the series. The gospel narrative, the gospel message that was passed on to Paul was passed on to him through Jesus. Paul said, no human institution taught me. No human, no human teaching. It was Jesus Christ himself who taught me what I'm, what I'm giving you. And then he said this. He said he was buried. This is, this is verse 4. He was buried and he was raised from the dead on the third day just as the scripture said. So Paul puts validity on the scriptures. Now, now hear me, first service, hear me, second service, and hear me, those that are watching online. Why does Pastor James stress so much that you guys need to be people of the word? Because the Bible doesn't change. The word of God doesn't change. It's true. It is, it is God's inerrant word to man the Apostle Paul said, just as the scripture said, Jesus, when the devil was tempting him, he said, it is written. He came to the, the enemy with the word. And Jesus was the word in person, uh, uh, I mean, personified. And so here we, we, we read again that, that, that just as the scripture said, he puts this, this humongous weight on the scriptures that the weight I mean, the, the scriptures are able to, to help you navigate through whatever you're going through. But you have to start with the premise with what's most important. And wh why would you say that it's important for Jesus to die for your sins? It's because we're sinners. We fall short of the Glory in the perfection of God Almighty. Adam and Eve started it from the very beginning, but can I tell you, it could have been James and Shauna there. We would have messed it up too. Because we are faulty. And we need a Savior. And, and, and God loved you so much that he sent his only begotten son so that he could take your place so when he went to the cross, he went to the cross as a man. And when he went to the, to the, to the grave, he went to the grave in a physical body. That's, that's where we're going here. This is important. Because very early in the church, there was teaching that was contrary to this. In fact, the apostle Paul here is saying, why do some of you guys say that there's no resurrection? If you say there's no resurrection, then Christ wasn't resurrection. And if he wasn't resurrected, you're still in your sins. And your faith is worthless. That was the whole thrust of this chapter. And it's, a, it's important. See, a, a lot of churches, and believe me, we can fall prey into that. We can fall prey into this, this, this uh, deceitful teaching that it's really all about us. That we need, we need seven points to become better parents. We need seven points to become better, better, better grandparents. We need seven points to become a better dad. We need all these things that really has to do with us. That's not the most important thing in your life. I told you it was going to rub you wrong, and now you're looking at me real like if, like if I did something wrong. He said the most important thing is for you to understand that God loves you so much he sent his son to die in your place because you need it. You need it. 
And so as we, as we think about the, why the physical death, why the, the, the physical burial and the, and the bodily resurrection of Jesus is most important, let's, 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 just, let's, let's look at the takeaways. The first reason is that Jesus Christ is 100% God and 100% man. And both of these distinctions are true and very important. You see, he, he, Jesus, had to be the worthy sacrifice, the propitiation. We, we learned about that last week. The, 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 the worthy sacrifice that would atone for our sins, that, that he would have to shed his blood to cleanse us from our impurities. He would purify us. To do that, to do that, he had to take on a physical body and live a human life. Not only was he going to take a physical body to atone for our sins, but he took on a physical body and, and, and lived a human life so that he would empathize, not just sympathize with you when you're going through a hard time, but he would empathize with you as your high priest. You see, Jesus understands abandonment. He understands shame. He understands feeling unworthy. Though he's God in the flesh, see, he, he came to take our place. He came to, to, to relate to us. A- anyone in here, do you have these negative self, this negative self-talk where you feel unworthy? Or, or you, you have this self-talk that says you're unappreciated. Or, or you have this self-talk where, where you say, no one has given me any worth. You ever had that go into your head? Jesus can relate to you. On the cross, in the physical body, he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Anyone in here ever felt forsaken? Jesus understands. And he, and he came in, in a physical body he he humbled himself and became just like us though he is the second person of the godhead so jesus didn't he was never created he is the creator and it's important for us to understand that 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 god is revealed to us as a triune god and we, we need to say that more and more and more. God is revealed to us as God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And though it does not make any sense to us intellectually, intellectually in our finite minds, in our spirit, as we, we receive Christ, he opens up our understanding. And the more that you walk with him, the more that you understand that, that, that God the Father had a role and has a role and God the Son had a role and he has a role and God the Spirit has a role and he has a role. And he had a role and he has a role in every aspect of, of life. The, the, this is important. The life of Jesus is central to understand the love of, of the Father for you. You'll never understand God so loved the world until you know Jesus. Are you with me? And if you get Jesus wrong, you'll get the Father wrong. If you get Jesus wrong, you'll get the Holy Spirit wrong. And there's a lot of teaching out there where people get Jesus wrong. Some teaching is that Jesus is, is actually Michael the archangel. 
They come and they, they, they talk to you. They, they, they won't say that until you get deeper into that. Another, another teaching is that Jesus is the brother of Lucifer. So he's a created being. And, and so all of these things, so it's important. It's so important, beloved, that we get Jesus right. Because if you get Jesus right, you get the Father right. You get Jesus right, you get the Holy Spirit right. Here's what uh, uh, the Apostle Paul wrote to the church in Philippi. He said, you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Well, let's just pause right there. You see, his coming to be born of a virgin speaks to that. He humbled himself, right, and became just like us. That's, that's exactly where Paul is going. Um, instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and, and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God, and he died a criminal's death on a cross. Why? Why, why did Jesus do that? Well, well, the Bible points us to the reason. And as you, as you see the narrative, he, he, he begins to expand that, uh, that you need to know and I need to know that, that Adam failed to do what needed to be done and Jesus Christ accomplished what Adam could not do. Paul, Paul wrote this to the church in Rome and, and everything begins to make sense. He says, when Adam sinned, sin entered the world. Adam's sin brought death. So that explains everything about death, right? How do we know that? Because the Bible teaches us right there. Uh, Adam's sin brought death, so death, death spread to everyone, for everyone sinned. Well, well, not first service. First service doesn't sin. No, we all sin. Yes, people sinned even before the law was given, but, but it was not counted as sin because there was not yet any law to break. Still... Everyone died from the time of Adam to the time of Moses, even those who did not disobey an explicit commandment of God, as Adam did. Now, now Adam is a symbol, a representation of Christ who was yet to come. But, but there is a great difference. Now, that's important right there. He's not at, Jesus is not Adam, but he's a representation. Are you with me? But there is a great difference between Adam's sin and God's gracious gift. For the sin of this one man, Adam, brought death to many. So you can just pause real, real quick and say our great, 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 exponentially great, 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 great grandpa, Adam. <laughs> it's his fault. And, and as, a, as a result, uh, but even greater is, is God's wonderful grace and his gift of forgiveness to many through this other man, Jesus Christ. Now notice the emphasis right there on other man, Jesus Christ, because Christ had to become a man. And the result of God's gracious gift is very different from the result of the one man's sin. For Adam's sin led to condemnation, but God's free gift leads to our being made right with God, even though we are guilty of many sins. It teaches us that if you are in Christ, there is therefore no condemnation for you. 
Not only does he produce life, but he takes your shame. Not only does he produce uh, 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 your purity, but he produces righteousness. You see, the, the, the death of Christ paid the full price for your sins, past, present, and future. So why do we still walk around being defined by our past? Because you're not believing the gospel. Why do you allow shame to come on you in the present? Because we're not walking in the gospel. Are you with me? Why are we fearful of the future? Why are we apprehensive of the things that are yet to come? Because we're not rooted in the gospel. Are you with me? It's the most important thing for us to grab a hold of. That Jesus paid it all. How many of you believe that? It's not your action. It's your belief, right? That you will be made right with God even though you are guilty of many sins. Now, um, Jesus came, this is important, Jesus came not only, not only to take on human form or human skin, Jesus came also to take on our nature, though he's God. Look at, look at where Paul goes, he goes on in verse 17. For, for the sin of this one man, Adam, caused death to rule over many, but even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of righteousness, for all who receive it will live in triumph over sin and death through this one man, Jesus Christ. That is good news. A pastor, a pastor from, uh, from England, John T. Rhodes, he, he, wrote, he wrote this. He says, Jesus had to be made like us in order to make propitiation for us. It was in his human nature that he endured the suffering necessary for our salvation. The suffering is still the suffering of the Son of God, of course. There is no Jesus Christ, the man who is not God, the Son. But it's important we understand that all his suffering, including his wrath-bearing, justice-satisfying death, is suffering according to his human nature. Again, there is no tearing apart the Trinity, but rather God the Son suffering in the flesh. What John T. is teaching is orthodox right there, that, that, that Jesus chose, I, I was going to say had, but he chose to become like you. He chose to become like me, though he never sinned. He, 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 he never was not God. He was always God, but he chose to become like us. So that he could fully make you right. So he could fully atone for your sins. So that he would be this worthy sacrifice. 
And this high priest who understands everything. Have you ever, have you ever in your, in, in, during your week, and maybe one a day that you're thinking, God, you just don't understand what I'm going through? He does. That's why it's so important for you to never leave the premise of the gospel narrative. The writer of Hebrews put it like this, because God's children are human beings made of flesh and blood, the son also became flesh and blood for only as a human could he die. And only by dying could he break the power of the devil who had the power over death. So, so there's, there's a lot of things that, that begin to be made clear to us, the mysteries that the enemy wants to destroy life. In fact, in, in John 10, it says, the, 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 he says, uh, the, the enemy, the thief, comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But then he says, but I, the Son of Man, have come to give you life and give you life more abundantly. It brings a light to, to this this. Uh, passage in Hebrews that says that the son also became flesh and blood and uh, only as a human being could he die and only by dying could he break the power of the one who is a thief who came to steal, kill, and destroy our lives. The perfect God identified with sinful man. He, He loved you so much that he took your place so that he alone could overcome the evil one. Because I can't. Outside of Christ, I can't overcome what the devil wants to do in my life. Believe me, I've tried. But with Jesus, he can. With his authority, I can walk in, 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 in power that I never knew was available to me. But it's, it's there to do what's impossible for me. Hear me now, beloved. This is important for you. The gospel is so important to you and to me is because you can walk in victory. If you hold on to the premise that it's Jesus and Jesus alone. The, the, the gospel narrative teaches us Jesus plus nothing. Jesus paid it all. Jesus did it all. Again, in the, the book of Hebrews, it tells us, uh, it says, therefore it was necessary for him to be made in every respect like us, his brothers and sisters. Now, this is just, it just kind of blows me away as I read the narrative and, and each, each, each writer in, in the New Testament begins to shed light. And Jesus is God, and though he chose to become like us to the point that he is called our brother, and that's, that's a question that I have for him whenever I see him. But we, we read this in, in, in the scripture that says, therefore, uh, uh, it was necessary for him to be made in every respect like us, his brothers and sisters, so that he could be our merciful and faithful high priest before God. Then he could offer a sacrifice that would take away the sins of the people. Since he himself has gone through suffering and testing, he is able to help us when we ourselves are being tested. Why do we need this? Because our life is a test. How how do I know that? You ever had to go visit with a family that lost someone from a major heart attack? What what, what are you going to say? 
when someone says it's not fair. You, you ever talk to someone that, that, that they've gone through, you know, a financial fiasco and they've lost everything and they don't know how they're going to go on? Have, well, what are you going to say? You, 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 ever, you ever been with someone that, that, that you have to talk to, but maybe they, they uh, you know, one of their, their children were hurt in some way or, or maybe, you know, they, they, there was a marital uh, unfaithfulness, all these things. There's all, see, there's just ongoing things that happen in life. And if you didn't have Jesus who has gone through everything and understands everything, if you don't have him, what do you have? What's your anchor? But what I've come to find out, beloved, what I've come to find out is that through all the things that I've gone through before God, before Jesus came into my life and the, and the mess and the chaos and there was no, no anchor in my life, I was so, I was so desperate to crossing that threshold and putting my faith in Jesus and, and, and me going through whatever life brings my way. And we've gone through a lot of stuff, Sean and I, but what I've come to find out is that Jesus is my answer every single time. And he had to, he had to come in the form of man to relate to us. Here's, here's the second takeaway. Jesus Christ died a physical death and he was buried bodily. It's important to know that Jesus died a physical death and that his body was buried in a tomb because there has always been teaching that comes into the church that says that the Christ could not ever be buried or killed. Early in the church, there was a distorted teaching called docetism. And it comes from the word dokium. And what that word means is it seems or to seem that you saw. And so this teaching led people astray and it caused division in the church. And, and, and it, it was a wrongful teaching that taught that the Christ did not have a real natural body during his life on earth, but only an apparent phantom one. The proponent said, how could the Christ have a body when the body is evil? Now, you need to understand uh, Socrates, and then uh, after Socrates, uh, Plato, uh, they taught that, the, that, the, that the, the, the spirit was good, but the body was evil. And so the, 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 the goal of any person, any human, was to separate themselves from the body and to be in the spirit. So your spirit would go on and do, be, be good, but your body was just an evil thing. That's not the teachings of the Bible. Are you with me? When God created Adam and Eve, he created Adam from the dust, right? And he made him a human. He gave him flesh and bones and blood. And when he created Adam, he said, this is good. So the body's not bad. You know what's bad? The sin that is produced in our heart. Are you with me? It's very important for you to understand. Now, now when, when, when Adam was formed from the dust, Eve was then formed out of, out of what? Out of Adam. He, he took a rib from the side of Adam, and, and he put that for, he, I love what the Bible says, he fashioned the rib into the woman. And the women still fashion 
themselves constantly. So the Bible is very, very true, right? And, and, and he brought the woman to the man, and the man would say, Woo, woman, that's how I'm going to call her. Whoa. But, but the whole thrust of it is what, what, after he created man and woman, he looked back and he said, looked at everything he's, he created, he said, this is very good. So we need to understand that the teaching of Socrates and the teaching of Plato uh, are, 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 not, are not from God. And so when that creeps into the church that, 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 you're, that you were created to be a disembodied spirit, no, we weren't. We were created to have a body. In fact, that's why I'm going into the third point. But it's okay, I can do whatever I want. I'm, I'm talking. <laughs> but, but that's the reason that it's important for us to understand that Jesus rose from the dead with a glorified body. That, that's why Jesus told, told Thomas, he said, Thomas, I want you to put your hands and your fingers right here in the, in the hole. Right? Now think, think with me. This is, this, it has to be important because God... The son had to restore everything that was bad. And the, the thing that was bad wasn't your body. That's not the bad thing. The bad thing that was bad and, 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 and was leading people astray was the heart. Amen? And so, so God wants to be, he wants to restore that. So this teaching that came, came in uh, docetism, it's, it's still prevalent. It's still, it's still, it's still making its way in the church. It's, it's still saying that, you know, that, that the Christ, in fact, there's this teaching that, 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 that's coming into, um, uh, into the, tries to come into the church, but especially the world that says that you can be a, 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 a the Christ, that you can be your own God. You know, the new age, the new age uh, uh, teaching uh, uh, is, is, is very, very, very prominent with, with that in mind right there, that you're all, you all can be like God. So new age, new thought, all these things that are distorted, distorted gospels come in, right? The apostle John wrote this. This is, why would he write it? He's, he's writing in his, in his first letter. Why would, why would the apostle John write this? Because people were teaching that Jesus didn't come in a real body, that the Christ was not in a real body. Look what he says. He says, we proclaim to you, to you the one who existed from the beginning, from whom we have heard and seen. We saw him with our own eyes and touched him with our own hands. Why would he write that if it's not important? He is the word of life. The one who is life itself was revealed to us and we have seen him. And now we testify and proclaim to you that he is the one who is eternal life. Not, not only that he gives eternal life, but that he is eternal life. He was with the Father, and then he was revealed to us. We proclaim to you what we ourselves have actually seen and heard so that you may have fellowship with us, and our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. Notice how adamant the Apostle John was for his readers to be established in the truth that Jesus took on human form. And it's very important for us to, 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 to be established in this truth as well. Not, not only that he took on human form, but he went to the cross in a physical body as well. The, the early church father, Augustine of Hippo, 
And Augustine came out of a, a life of waywardness. He was just so far from God and, when, and very, very intellectual man. And when he, came, when he came to Christ, when he came to Jesus, he became one of the great intellects in the church. And Augustine put it like this. He said this, but as Christ endured death as a man, that's important. That was important for Augustine because there was teaching that was contrary to that. But as Christ endured death as man and for man, so also son of God he was, ever living in his own righteousness but dying for our offenses. He submitted as man and for man to bear the curse which accompanies death. And as he died in the flesh which he took in bearing our punishment, so also, while ever blessed in his own righteousness, he was cursed for our offenses in the death which he suffered in bearing our punishment. Without, without a physical Jesus going to the cross, we're still in our sins. The apostle John testified to that. He said, we've seen him, we heard him, we touched him. If a phantom went to the cross, you're still in your sins. That's how important this is. To, to, to understand and to be rooted in the fact that Jesus, though he is God in the flesh, humbled himself and took on the form of a human in every aspect, shows us how much he loves you and how much he wants you restored. It'll change the way that you look at God. But it'll also change the way that you look at yourself. Shouldn't we hold on to this teaching? Shouldn't we just, just grab a hold of it and, 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 and learn and grow in it more and more and more and more and more and more? When you, when you make this most important in your life, the things that we put as the, 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 the primary that really take us away from God, the things of this world, they become smaller than the premise of who Jesus is. Hear me now. You want to stop worrying about the things of this world. Start prioritizing the gospel in your life. You want to stop fearing the inevitable, the D word. You want to stop fearing that? Put the priority on Jesus. Because then you understand to live as Christ and to die is gain. Are you with me? You see, this world as we know it, it's passing away. But those who are in Christ, there's better things to come. And the only way, beloved, the only way that you'll live it out is when the gospel is the most important thing in your life. Here's the, here's the, third, um, here's the third takeaway. And, and next week, you want to be here next week because I, I, I've asked Ruth West to teach, and, and Ruth West is an, a pretty remarkable lady. And she's got, a, she's got an apologetics uh, certification from Biola University, and, and, and she's gonna bring 
the facts of the resurrection, which you want to be a part of that because you need to know that the resurrection is true. Okay? Here's, here's my intro to next week. Jesus Christ rose from the dead bodily. And this is an important distinction. The reason for this is because God never created humans as disembodied spirits. Now, I'm going to say some things that are going to ruffle you, okay? The, 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 first of all, it, this won't ruffle you. It shouldn't. This is very important. The, the bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ is something that the early church was adamant about. In fact, every preaching in the New Testament always centered around the resurrection of Jesus. Every teaching, every preaching. You and I... This is where, this is where it's going it's to really rub you wrong like, a, like if I'm scratching some hip-hop scratch, scratch. You and I will not float up in heaven without a body. You don't see that. And they're freaking out. The, 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 the intermediate state between your last breath here and your first breath Breath at the resurrection is debatable. The intermediate state. That means what happens to the people that are dead? What are they doing? Because I hear all kinds of things. Oh, my grandpa's, he's fishing up in heaven. So God made some spiritual fishing rods. You know, all these, think, think with me. Now, this is going to freak you out. Because some of you guys are going to be challenged right here. The, the, the reality is that the intermediate state is debatable. Oh, yeah, Paul taught to live as Christ, to die as Gain to be absent from the body is to be present with the, with the Lord. Oh, to, to that I will say amen and amen and amen. But, but, but here's the thing, beloved. What I see in Scripture over and over and over and over again, especially in, with, with Jesus, that on the third day he rose from the dead with a glorified body, that's what we should be waiting for. Are you with me? Look, look, look at what Peter wrote in his second letter to, 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 uh, to the church. He said this, we are looking forward to the new heavens and the new earth that he has promised, a world that is filled with God's righteousness. You know, you know what the context of that, of that uh, part of Peter's letter is? It's where people were saying, where is, where is this about Jesus coming back? We don't see him coming back. And, and Peter says to them, to the, to the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years is like a day to the Lord. And so what, what, am, I, what am I saying with all this? Pastor, do you, do you not believe that when you die, you're going to go to heaven? Let me tell you what I believe. I believe that, that the Bible teaches us very clearly that we are never separated from the love of God. Anyone who's a child of God, you're never separated from the love of God. You will always be in the presence of God because some of you guys are freaking out. But I will not teach any kind of uh, 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 platonic teaching that says that your spirit is going to float somewhere. See, I don't even know all that because the Bible is not, it doesn't tell us where, 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 where that part of us is. Amen? But it does tell us what will happen when Jesus returns. And what happens when Jesus returns is the bodies will be raised. Everybody. The sea will give up the dead. The graves will give up the dead. 
One of, one of the leading, leading theologians for, for, uh, for First Corinthians, his, his name is Dr. Gordon Fee. And Dr. Gordon Fee put it like this. The combination in the creed, okay, now, now, now remember this. First Corinthians chapter 15, verses 3 to, three to 5, was something that, that the early disciples, before it was ever written down, they would, they, would, uh, they would speak it orally, and that was something that they stood by, that Jesus Christ died for our sins, and he rose again from the dead on the third day, just like the Bible said he would. That was a creed. They all would say that always. So here, here uh, Dr. Fee is saying, the combina combination in the creed of buried and raised on the third day emphasizes the resurrection of a dead corpse, not the spiritual renewal of life after death. And what Dr. Fee is saying right there is that the same thing that I'm saying is we were not created to be disembodied spirits. Paul, going on in, in, in 1 Corinthians, he says this, But tell me this, since we preach that Christ rose from the dead, why are some of you saying that there will be no resurrection of the dead? For if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, then all our preaching is useless and your faith is useless. And we apostles would be lying about God, for we have said that God raised Christ from the grave. I'm going to pause right there. Christ, uh, God raised Christ from the grave. How did he raise Christ from the grave? Bodily. Beloved, that needs to be our hope. Amen? That, that, that the dead will be raised. I'm going back to it, okay? Because you guys are, I've never had first service just looking at me intently like this. And if, if Christ has not been raised and your faith is useless and you are still guilty of your sins, in that case, all who have died believing in Christ are lost. And if our, hope is, if our hope in Christ is only for this life, we are more to be pitied than anyone in the world. Without, I'm going to say it again and again and again and again and again, without the physical resurrection of Jesus, our faith is useless. If your faith is in a resurrected spirit, your faith is not valid. And if your hope is just for this life, what a pitiful belief system we have. But, but look at what, what verse 20 says in 1 Corinthians 15. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. He is the first of a great harvest of all who have died. I don't know about you, but I can't wait for this physical body that's dying daily to be transformed into a glorified body that Jesus is going to give me. I will never leave that premise because it's a biblical premise. So what about the intermediate state? We're all working on that together. I believe the word of God. It says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So when we die, if you're in Christ, you're with Jesus. Are you with me? But I will never stray from the premise and the truth that there's a, there's a trumpet coming. And that trumpet sound will come and Jesus will split that eastern sky 
and the dead in Christ will be raised. I'm preaching the Bible. And those who are alive, we're going to go up to we're going to go up to Jesus behind them. Bob Cannon, John Reese, you can name your loved ones right there, and we'll all be together with the Lord forever in a new heaven and a new earth. That's what the Bible says, and that's the gospel. The gospel is this, beloved, that Jesus came to restore what sin broke in our lives and what the devil tried to do we have power over that through the authority of Jesus Christ are you with me and that will change your life were you challenged this morning will you dig the scriptures Will you go in a small group and say, you know what, let's talk about this. Let's talk it over. Let's see what the word of God says. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your love and your grace. We thank you for your goodness. Lord, we thank you for your word. I pray, Lord, as a vessel that is used by you, Lord, that I will always preach your word that your people will always follow up as Bereans and, and, and dig and seek and see that the words that were spoken are, are, are true, that they're in your word. Lord, we thank you for the great sacrifice of Calvary that restores our brokenness and makes us right with you. We pray in the name of Jesus that you will just uh, let us make the most important thing the most important and walk in this newness of life for your glory. We pray this in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and all of God's people said, amen and amen.